Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode 138. Guys, I get to introduce you to the founder and co-CEO of Noonday Collection, which is a fast-growing company dedicated to designing and selling inspired collections of jewelry and accessory made by artisans across the globe. Noonday Collection partners with artisan businesses in 11 countries and holds a passion for building a flourishing world that helps to develop them through fair trade. It was featured in Inc. Magazine's 2015 list of the 5,000 fastest growing companies in America at number 45. And it also listed Noonday Collection as the third fastest growing American business owned by a woman, none other than my friend Jessica Honecker. She has the most incredible story filled with genuine heart, innovative thinking, brilliant strategy, and it has resulted in the most successful, sustainable, fair trade jewelry business in the world. Today we get to share her story, but before we dive in, I want to share the review of the week from Krista B. Krista says, Jenna's podcast offers practical, applicable advice, not just the nice sounds of fluff and cliche sayings. As if that wasn't enough, it's also full of incredibly inspirational women that motivate me to apply all of the new learnings. Every episode, I'm reminded of just how lucky I am to be involved in such a people-oriented industry. I love this community of creatives that are committed to service perspective and keeping it real. And I cannot wait to hear more. Thank you so much, Krista. And I would love to formally invite all of our listeners over to our private Facebook group. I pop in there almost every day, hang out with you, answer your biggest questions, and you guys get to steer this ship. So if you want to join our Facebook community, you can search on Facebook for Gold Digger Podcast Insiders or head over to golddiggerpodcast.com where you can find today's show notes and get into our community. Now, speaking of communities, I'm so excited to dive into today's show with Jessica because this woman leads one of the most incredible communities I've ever gotten to be a part of. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts. Listen in on honest conversations 
and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. All right, guys. So for the last six months, we have had an ad-free movement. Now, I know you're no stranger to that fact, and we've loved doing that, but I hope that you also understand that we're growing. We're growing so fast, and I am spending so much time, so much energy, so much resources, so much payroll to make this show happen. And so we finally decided to accept help for all of the time and effort that we put into creating this show and putting it out for you. And in the coming episodes, you're going to hear minimal ads from amazing companies that we are honored to pair up with. I promise I will keep it real. I will share the things that I love. This isn't going to change a thing about the Gold Digger shows, but I wanted to be the first to tell you and to be transparent. It has been so fun being an ad-free movement, and we have really gone against the grain in that. But it is time to say we need a little help to keep this show going, and I just hope that you support that and accept it and encourage us in that. I mean, let's be honest. We all need a little help from time to time. And so I'm just excited to share the things that I love in hopes that you will love them too. Okay, so you guys know that we're moving, right? Like moving is so much work. (laughs) I can't even handle it. But one of the big things that Drew and I want is a home that really hosts guests. You know, those people on HGTV that are like so excited to have company over, I feel like we're turning into them. And for me, that starts with having a plush bed to rest your head in. Today's episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is brought to you by Casper. Casper is one of the most trusted brands in the sleep world. Their line of products helps to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, and their mattresses are designed for humans by humans. And the best part is, is that you don't even have to leave your house. You can shop for it in your sweatpants, order online, and it is delivered right to your door. This is such a Jenna Kutcher service. I can't even handling it. Now think about it. We spend one third of our lives on our mattress. It is so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. And that's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. So you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash gold digger and using the promo code gold digger at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, but I'm going to give you $50 off towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash gold digger. Use a promo code gold digger at check out. We are going to be getting a brand new bed so that when our friends come to visit, they have a good night's rest from the nap queen herself. This is important. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to chat today. Oh my gosh. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you saw that I was in Guatemala with this incredible company, Noonday Collection. And it's so much more than just a company. And we're going to hear the story about how Noonday got started. And Jessica is just one of those people. And I mean, I've already said her intro, you know, all of the titles and all the amazing things she's done. But Jess, when I met you, it was just like coming home to a friend. And and I think that there is something so special about the way that you show up in the world. So while I could continue blabbing about you all day and girl crushing, (laughs) let's dive into the story because I think there is so much power in your story. And the most exciting part for me was getting to see the places that your story unfolded while we were in Guatemala together. So let's just hear who you are, kind of what you're doing these days and what journey led you to this point. Okay, 
great. Thanks, Jenna. I loved getting to meet you too. I, I'm glad we finally got person to person time together. It was amazing. So I will say that my story is unlikely. I felt like for years when I was asked this question, my should story, my quote unquote should story was, well, I got my MBA and then I got a design degree from Parsons and then I got venture capital funding and I got this great downtown office and I figured out how to design and merchandise and knew how to import export and voila, built my business. (laughs) But that is completely not what happened. I actually majored in Latin American studies in college. And I went on after that to move overseas with an organization called Food for the Hungry International, where I lived in Bolivia, working with midwives. And in Guatemala, I worked with children as a teacher. And then I moved back to Austin, met my husband during that process. We moved back to Austin And I thought, okay, I know I want to make a difference to the world. I know I want to affect change. Maybe I need to be a teacher. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's what we all think, right? Like, okay, if you want to make, be a change maker, like I thought education, education. I do not love children. I love my children. I most likely do not love your children very much. So (laughs) I seriously, this was like, I don't know why someone didn't stop me. But there I went. I went and got my master's in education. And after that, I was pregnant at the time. And then I went and got my real estate license because my husband and I had started to flip homes as a side hustle thing and quickly realized that we were wasting a lot of money on that commission to realtors. So mm-hmm. I got my real estate license so then I could just buy and sell all of our own homes. But eventually I started helping other people because that was just a natural progression. So then before you know it, I started a boutique real estate company and <laughs> a master's education degrees was quickly collecting dust. And then eventually my husband and I owned several houses and the housing bubble burst. And suddenly we were in a really bad financial place. So I needed a side hustle because even in the midst of the bubble bursting and we seriously began to live off of our credit cards, we had wanted to grow our family through adoption. So at this point I had two little babies, three and under, And we were thinking about a third and my husband and I had met while working for food for the hungry. We understood the issues around the world, around poverty and the orphan crisis. And I had previously held an orphan in my arms after becoming a mom and just really felt it's a human rights issue. Like every child deserves a mom or a dad. And so I think from that place realized, you know, we would love to grow our family through adoption, but that process is really expensive. And so we made the decision when the real estate market was kind of definitely going in a a wrong direction, but we had no idea actually how low it would go. And so we had set out on this journey and had had a nest egg. And then within three months, we're living off that nest egg. And within two months after that, the nest egg is gone and we're, you know, putting grocery bills on the credit card. 
And which I bet you're dying right now because you told me you're a Dave Ramsey fan (laughs) and you're like, what on earth? Oh my, I have no respect for you now, Jessica. Nope, I love you all the same. (laughs) So anyhow, I knew I needed a side hustle. And so I had been to Africa previously on a trip to explore adoption. So when we had decided we wanted to adopt internationally, we had gone on a trip to Uganda to actually explore if that was going to be a viable country for us to adopt from. And on that trip, I'd met up with some old friends of mine that I had known through Food for the Hungry. And they were in Uganda to create entrepreneurial opportunities for Ugandans. And so it was interesting because we both had this development background, this community development background, which was a little bit more of a charity framework and had come to this conclusion that sort of realized sort of the pitfalls of charity and saw business as a real viable way to create opportunity for the poor. So they were there actually doing that, making that happen, whether it was helping a guy on a bicycle who had a plumbing business, like learning how to teaching him how to do invoicing and how to do marketing and get more clients. Or, you know, they had a mosquito repellent that they were selling to hotels. And one of the businesses that they had tried to start was an artisan business. And they had been working with this young couple, Jolia and Daniel, and had gotten Jolly and Daniel to make all this beautiful stuff. And it was just sitting in storage here in the US. So it was a little bit like they got them to make the goods, but hadn't thought through the creating the marketplace part, mm-hmm. which is the hardest part. And so on that trip in Uganda, they had said, listen, like, we would love for you to sell this stuff that we've got sitting in America. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I was flipping (laughs) houses. I was doing real estate. It's like, I don't got time for that. And then within months I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I need to sell something Mm -hmm. to make some money. So I called them and they said, yes, we would, you know, we'd love for you to do that. So I drove down to San Antonio and got these crates full of stuff. I opened up my home. I swear I sold like I mean, imagine walking into my home, there's like African jewelry on the dining table. There's like all of my clothes in the guest bedroom ready to be sold. There's like dishes, (laughs) dishes in the fireplace. It was like, if it can be sold, buy it. Because I just had this passion really to continue in our adoption journey and continue to walk in faith and not fear during that process. Well, gathering all those women in my home I realized there was a lot of power in that. And Mm -hmm. I was just so humbled that women showed up because I, I come from a party background. I'm from Texas. Everything's big in Texas. I had 500 people at my wedding and that was considered a small wedding. (laughs) As a wedding photographer, I'm like, oh my God. It was small. It was small, didn't it? I had a 10-piece mariachi band and a live band. Okay. Like we do things big down here. And so I was having this party and I was like, no one's going to come, you know, and then I I ascribed meaning to that. If no one comes, then I am a failure. I am rejectable. I am not worthy. So it took a lot of vulnerability for me to put myself out there. There's just something vulnerable about asking women to like show up for you. But women showed up for me like they did it and they came and they wanted to get behind our adoption story and they wanted to purchase these items and get behind Jolly and Daniel in Uganda. And so something special ignited in me that night that made me realize that 
there was a hole in the marketplace. Like, why hadn't I been invited to into someone's home to purchase? And why hadn't I really seen fair trade goods that I actually wanted to wear? Mm-hmm. And so within a month's time, you know, I set up my business, got my business account, set up the website, did all that kind of stuff. And started asking women to open their home. And I called Jalia, I called my friends living in Uganda. And I said, okay, pretty much everything's sold. And they said, well, we're going to connect you with Jolly and Daniel for you to order more. And so I began to communicate with Jolly and Daniel who were actually house sitting at the time. So they didn't have a home. They had two kids who were not in school. They were struggling, I mean, with how to even put food on the table. And so I was placing these small orders that for me felt so small, like 20 necklaces. Mm -hmm. But for them, it was fairly significant. And so they're in Uganda trying to figure out, oh my gosh, like, how do we send this stuff to her? And what's quality? And how are we going to communicate? And then I'm over here in America, like setting up a Western Union account and, <laughs> you know, figuring out how to run a business. And so they began to send me their things. And then women just wanted me to come into their home. And so I would go into women's homes and I would set up a little pop-up shop. And it was at the time primarily of African goods, but soon I began to connect to other artisans or other small businesses. And I was able to find other avenues. And then before you know it, I had a business, you know, I had really felt like I had tested the concept and women were purchasing. And then within a few months time, I realized, okay, this is, we're not in Kansas anymore. And how can I really scale this? Mm-hmm. And that's when, right when I had been dreaming about that, and I want to tell you there is power in dreaming and writing it down because I found on my computer a couple of years ago in a night of passion where I wrote out my vision and it had been about eight months into starting new data collection. And it says verbatim, it was actually a prayer I wrote where I was like, God, this is what I want. And I said, I want New Day Collection to be the world's largest fair trade direct sales company in the world. I want Jalia and Daniel to run a thriving business that is impacting hundreds of Ugandans. I want women here in America to be able to run their own businesses and be influences their community and create opportunities for adoption in America. And I want to be able to employ refugees someday. I mean, this is what it says. Jolly and Daniel now have 100 full-time employees plus 300 <laughs> contractors. Oh my God. I now have 2000 ambassadors across the country. And, you know, we've had thousands more, you know, say yes over the years. And we are the largest fair trade direct sales company in in the world. And it's crazy that I wrote that down when I was literally officing in this funky 1960s bathroom because we have a really weird floor plan in our house. So I'm officing out of the bathroom and yet I'm writing down this big vision And so I think there's just so much power in belief and in vision. And, you know, right around that time is when, you know, someone had reached out to me from Seattle and said, I'm wanting to raise money for my adoption, but I also want to create entrepreneurial opportunities for people living in places like Uganda. Could I, could I start working with you somehow? Could I be an affiliate? And so my website already had affiliate capabilities. And so she became my first new day ambassador. And then I had about four more in the next month. Well, 
they're basically little me's running around. So that, that multiplied sales, like imagine mm-hmm. just immediately. And so I, at that time knew, okay, something, I need to treat this like a business. I really need to commit. And it's at that time I began to reach out to find some mentors and people to help me. And one of the guys that I reached out to, I had met previously on a trip, another trip to Africa, that trip where I had held the first orphan since becoming a mom. I had met up with a high school friend of mine and met her husband, Travis, and he had been running a microloan bank there, creating entrepreneurial opportunities for Mozambicans Mm -hmm. and had since moved to Austin. He had like a finance background and an MBA, all the things I didn't have, he had, and he asked if we could partner together. And so that was really my moment of, I'm committing to this. This is not a side hustle anymore because he committed to living off of his savings account. He had three children because we, we didn't pay ourselves a salary for about two or three years. And so mm-hmm. it was like someone else is believing in me and is risking his entire savings account on me. And so I need to be sure that I'm going to commit and lock into this. And that was very much a turning point for me. And then within about, I don't know, eight months time, we got office space and just began to start operationalizing the business more and professionalizing it. We're still professionalizing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just been a wild, wild ride. Nothing that I ever could have predicted. And yet, yet I did dream that it would happen, you know, mm-hmm. on the other side of that. So I just love sharing that because I think there's so much power in just believing in your vision and people are attracted to belief and they're attracted to vision. And I think that that's one reason just people latched on. And I'm so grateful. I'm just so humbled and grateful for all the people who said yes to me. Isn't it crazy to look at like how this started and now mm-hmm. how giant it is? Like, does that feel like a weight on you at all? So I will say that it has. Yeah. I mean, it's a big company. (laughs) You know, I do think I have this personality. I think a lot of entrepreneur types do where it's like you kind of want you're a starter, but not necessarily a finisher. Mm -hmm. And I definitely would say I am a starter. And I do think responsibility can sometimes make me feel trapped Mm -hmm. and enclosed and heavy. And so I've had to learn how to still be myself and be everything I'm created to be within the context of being a, a high stakes leader in a high stakes company. And I think that's been a huge part of my leadership journey is learning to lead out of a place of faith and not fear. Cause ultimately I can work as hard as I can, but I don't control the outcome. Like I, you know, like we don't, we don't control outcomes. We influence outcomes, but we do not control outcomes. And I mean, I think any day of the week, I'd love to be able to just, okay, exactly. know. Okay. All these people that have jobs today will definitely have jobs in a year, you know, mm-hmm. but I can't actually predict that. And that is frightening. So I've had to learn how to walk in a lot of faith as a leader. And I mean, now it's, it's really great too, because a lot of the artists and businesses, we now partner with 30 different businesses around the world and have helped to scale those companies as well. And just knowing that economic opportunity, how much economic opportunity has come to those people and just the skills 
that they have now and just even their business acumen is that's really fun to mm. think about that. It's pretty crazy because whenever I wear my noonday pieces, especially after meeting some of the artisans, it's like so incredible to imagine somebody's hands creating it. And I feel like there are very few things in life where you can really circle it all the way back to the beginning. What was it like when you were starting to, you know, pursue this whole artisan relationship and like kind of walk us through what that is, because I don't know if people fully understand what that means. Right. Well, I mean, at the beginning, it was like I was putting out on Facebook, is anyone going to Uganda? Can y'all like take an extra suitcase and fill it with paper beads for me when you come (laughs) back? (laughs) I might have fudged the truth on customs forms every now and again when I was like muling things back into the country. You know, it is amazing, though, how organic the process has been. And I have people all the time who are like, I know of a group in Thailand, but I bet you get this all the time and I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, actually, no, like this is how it it happens. So we started off with, you know, this group in Uganda. And actually during the process, we were adopting from Rwanda and my friend in Rwanda who was helping to facilitate our adoption process, she wanted to help women in her community. So she brought together about 12 women and we ended up scraping together from different customers money for them to go to sewing school and purchase sewing machines. And they now purchase all of our packaging, thousands and thousands of bags from Rwanda. And so that was formed, like these women did not know how to sew. And we kind of did that from scratch. And then other, you know, other artisans we work with, especially in India, Fairtrade's been in India for about 25 years. So some of those businesses were already, you know, I would say they were more or less businesses. And then we've just come along and helped them to scale. In Ethiopia, we help start a group that works exclusively with women who've come out of trafficked situations and Mm -hmm. brothels and on the streets. And so, yeah, we were collaborative design. So I have a full design team and production team. So we design the items and then we work with the artisans with their material and their techniques and their capacity. And then they make recommendations as well. And that's been fun too over the years just to, you know, in a lot of these countries, they don't have like a fall and winter season. And so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, teaching like in fall, we do this color, you know, story. And then in spring, we do this color story. And it's been fun to work collaboratively with artisans and to see them grow. I mean, I feel like you got to see that in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're designers in their own right, you know. And so, yeah, Guatemala, I mean, I found those artisans that you met just going down on a trip to Guatemala, like mm-hmm. year two of noon day, like, okay, I, cause you know, Joe and I had lived in Guatemala and he proposed to me in Guatemala and I'd wanted to work there. And so I literally just took a boat out to that community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. I love you for this. So one thing we've never talked about on the show, but I would love to hear your perspective on is. What happens and like what changes in terms of your role when you think about from where you started as the creator, the dreamer, you know, the visionary to where you are today, somebody who has a full team and, you know, an office and all of that. Can you kind of talk about that personal journey of 
from the beginning to where you are today? Because I think it's so transformative. And it also really puts a light on areas that we might not be as strong as we thought we were. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. Well, at the time, I brought Jack home. So Jack came home. Let me finish that story. So we do have a son (laughs) from Rwanda. We were able to afford the adoption expenses. He basically launched a company. So I come home from Rwanda. Travis is now my business partner. The operation's being run out of my house. It's in the guest bedroom, in the guest bathroom. And I'm parenting these three little kids. And I think at the time, it was still this like, well, I'm working from home, even though it was crazy. You know, it was like, okay, one's down for a nap. This, I mean, it's at the time when I'm like putting the kids to sleep. And then, and of course, I'm working every night. And I remember when it came time to get an office space, that was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I'm, I'm an office woman now. Mm -hmm. Like what, you know, like I have to go to an office and I have to, do I have to get dressed for that? (laughs) And (laughs) I don't usually get dressed for it actually, (laughs) but (laughs) that's like, when you haven't seen me do an Insta story for like a week, it's basically because I just haven't, I haven't been clothed for like a week. Anyway, and I knew at that time I needed to to get a nanny to help with support. And my husband was still in real estate, still doing realtor stuff. And he was really still supporting the family because Noonday was not pulling a salary yet. And so there I am knowing I need support. And I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and a very traditional family. And so for some reason, I just saw having a nanny is an indictment against Mm -hmm. my motherhood. And that was a real struggle for me. I think especially when my babies were young and most of my friends were utilizing that time to stay at home with their kids. And I remember driving home for lunch because I literally, I mean, we still didn't have money. So I'm still like going home for like my PB&Js, you know, and I'm driving past my neighbor's house and I'm seeing all the mom's cars parked in the driveway and they're, I'm like, they're having their play dates, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I did feel so much FOMO. I felt a rejection that I put on myself and I just felt like I didn't belong. Like I didn't belong at work because I'm, you know, basically still work, can't even pay the bills. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I felt very incapable still in Mm -hmm. in my job. And then like, I didn't belong at home. That was kind of getting covered by the nanny. I didn't belong among friends because they were staying at home. And so there was a lot of personal narrative going on that honestly, that was my biggest obstacle. And I Mm -hmm. think still day. I, I call it the itty bitty bullshit committee because my dad <laughs> used the word bullshit like it was a noun and my mom would always say, honey, that means bologna sauce. Don't listen to your dad. Just use, <laughs> just say BS. Just say BS, honey. So whatever you want to say, my little BS committee was really indicting me. Like mm-hmm. you are not enough at home. You know, like when's the last time you emptied the dishwasher? And by the way, you don't even know how to operate a pivot table on Excel, you know, so like you're definitely not enough at work. And I think I was my biggest obstacle at the time. And I think learning to really embrace 
the tensions in life, the paradoxes that I could be a good CEO and a good mom. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned that just because I, I kept traveling around the world to work with our artisans and they're all moms Mm -hmm. and they don't feel guilty for working. They feel guilty because they can't provide enough for their children. And so I'm like, if being a flourishing mom in Guatemala can be, can work for them, then why can't that be true for me? If it can Mm -hmm. be true for her, why can't it not be true for me? And then I just also began to really cast vision to the family and really share with them, like, here's what mommy's doing. Here's why I'm doing what we're doing. And I think the family began to really own the vision. And I remember when Amelie, I think she was about six, maybe she was seven. And one night where I'm putting her to bed and, and she just said, mommy, I'm so glad you started in day collection mm-hmm. because we have Jack. I mean, we got Jack and and we got to help Jolly and Daniel and all of those people in Uganda. But she goes, Mommy, Ninde Collection has helped our family too. It makes me want to cry. It did make me cry, <laughs> you know, because I thought this has not been at the expense of my family. It's been mm-hmm. for their flourishing too, you know. And yes, I can be and I can be a, a good mom and a good CEO and I can love the poor and I can love red lipstick, you know, mm-hmm. and big statement earrings. And I can be curvy and run a fashion business. I mean, let me just tell you, that has been hard for me. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that if you want to go there, but I mean, that's been hard. Like even just mm-hmm. being in this fashion industry and, you know, we shoot these giant lookbooks that are gorgeous and amazing and you know, we clothe our models, but the models, you know, are not double digits in size like I am. So everyone, everyone in my office is getting like buy the sample clothes, but me, you know, (laughs) so there's just a lot of narratives that I had in my mind of this is what something should look like. But it's like, who wrote that script? Mm -hmm. You know, like I can just rip that up and write my own, right? And write my own version of this story and get my worth from where it really matters, which for me is from God. And and so there's a lot of that. And the, the voices have gotten so much quieter now. I've grown in confidence, but you know, then you've got new challenges ahead too. Mm-hmm. So I never want to feel like I've arrived or, you know, if I'm ever walking in full confidence in all areas of my life, it means I'm just not pushing myself harder outside of my comfort zone, which is where I want to live. So I'm always looking for that. Okay. Let's talk about one of the most important things in my life, sleep. I mean, Drew jokes that I'd rather sleep than do just about anything else. And today's episode of the Gold Digger podcast is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize the sleeping world by creating the best sleep experience one night at a time. This is coming from the nap queen. So trust me, if you are looking to upgrade your sleep, I have got a special gift for you. Casper is offering $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash gold digger and using the promo code gold digger at check. How cool is that? I think one of the most amazing things that you could get done is feeling a little more rested. Let's be honest. We could all accomplish a little more in our day if we had a little more pep in our step. Use code Gold Digger for $50 off select mattresses at Casper.com. Let's get back to the show. I love that. That's such a good way of summing up like the struggle of like masculine and feminine and what society tells us. And I don't know, that was very, very, very powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. 
So my next question is about the ambassador program. How did you scale that? What did it look like? What does it currently look like? I'm sure there were a ton of challenges, but it's such a beautiful opportunity. And I mean, it's kind of the hands and feet of Noonday. So talk a little bit about that. Yes. And honestly, our ambassador community, I think, is really what I'm most proud of because, you know, there's a lot of artists and businesses now out there. And, you know, you can buy fair trade product more readily than you could than when I started the company seven years ago. There's a lot of direct selling companies out there now. I mean, it's as old as Tupperware, but our community is just not replicable. It is the most we are for one another community where we truly do believe that her success is my success. We assume the best about each other. We are conscious about creating compassionate spaces of belonging for one another. We're rallying each other. And I mean, I hear stories from our ambassador community and how they're sistering one another and it absolutely floors me. So that's been a really unexpected part of the journey because I knew when I started New Day, I was just hell-bent on changing the world and like making opportunity for Jolly and Daniel and then eventually all of these other artisans. And then as I realized I wanted to multiply myself, I started dreaming about it. But then it was it was a gal out of Seattle who had read about me on an adoption blog this is back in the day when blogging was huge. It's like what podcasting is now. So blogs were huge seven years ago. And so a lot of people heard about me through various blogs and she reached out and said, I want to do this. And so I said, okay, we'll write up a compensation plan. And she wrote up a compensation plan. I was like, great, let's begin. And I mean, it was so scrappy. I mean, I was like, <laughs> so scrappy, sending her project. There was no lookbooks. I cannot believe I look back on some of these first women and some of whom are still with me today. I'm like, I can't even believe like you risked your reputation. Like you put your, <laughs> like you invited women to come purchase this stuff. And like, oh my gosh, it's just, yeah. So it started like that. And then Eventually, I just kept, you know, asking more women to join. And then now, of course, our compensation model is much more robust. I think when we it started off, it was like a 20% commission. And now we have the opportunity for women to grow teams. And so I actually got actually, this is really cool. I got a text a couple of weeks ago from one of my very first ambassadors. And she now has a team of I think it's about 150 women. And she said, Jessica, I just want you to know, I earned more this month than I did my entire first year of working for Noonday Collection. And I have been able to support my family. I've been able to, you know, be a significant earner and contribute mm -hmm. in ways that I never imagined to the financial needs of my family. And she was just expressing thanks and appreciation but we are very passionate on that into and creating economic opportunity. It's taken us a while and people have been honestly really patient. My business partner and I, Travis, we are very much in it for the long term. And mm -hmm. so we're very deliberate and want to make sure our financial model is viable for the long term. So we've been able to slowly introduce and elevate our compensation model at Noonday Collection. And, you know, now it's in a really great place. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for women to earn an income while making an impact 
and obviously getting to be a part of our community, which is is pretty life changing. Can we just talk about how you have like the most like complicated company ever? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. You're working with artisans. You're you know you're dealing with you know fair trade, which is so beautiful, and getting things into the country. And then you have ambassadors, and you have to teach them how to sell. And yeah. I mean, like it is one of the most like insane business models. And I don't, I don't think many people could do it. I mean, I don't think almost (laughs) anyone could do it. I mean, isn't it crazy to look at like where it started and what was so fun about our trip is Jamie Ivy, who is also on the show said she remembers like looking through your clothing rack, like buying your clothes. So to look at where it started (laughs) now, like, I know. I, when I came back from Guatemala, I was telling my husband, I was like, man, Jenna, she sure does make that digital life look nice. She's like, just sitting at home figuring out how to manipulate the numbers to grow her. I'm like, oh, I was a little bit like, man, that would it. be nice sometimes. That would be nice. But, <laughs> but you know, I do. I, I love it, though. I think for me, just my personality I definitely just like to have a lot going on. My brain is naturally over firing, Mm -hmm. which obviously can also have its downfalls. But I'm just so grateful that I have so many sandboxes that I get to play in. I mean, I get I'm the chief creative officer of the company as well as the CEO. And so I get to go in and influence product and the design of the product. I get to influence lookbooks and marketing and coming up with the stories for our our lookbooks. I get to influence so many things. I'm actually going to launch a podcast in January called Going Scared. So I'm super excited about that. And so yeah, just getting to do a podcast where we're going to get to talk about, you know, social entrepreneurship and you know, making an impact with your life. And so I think for that reason, even though it's complex and, you know, it can be, you know, I am continuing to learn. That's my growth curve is just Mm -hmm. learning how to keep work in its place and, you know, do the proper self-care to help me be sustainable for the long haul. But I do just have fun. I mean, it's just so fun. So I want to hear your advice on this because, I mean, your heart, it is so present in everything that you do. Do you have any advice for somebody who's listening who is looking to just make a difference with their business, whatever that scale can look like? Yes. And I would totally recommend reading the book Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey. He's the founder of Whole Foods. And I just think you can get really creative, but I think the first is having the intention and saying, I have gifts, I have talents, I have this business. What can I do with that? And, you know, because a lot of people are just running their thing, not even thinking about how they can use it. And so I know when my husband was a realtor, he would use his services to help some lower income people figure out how they could actually be homeowners. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to access sort of a lower income group of people where he was able to help with that. I know of photographers that take photos that do prom photos for kids that can't afford a whole lot of, you know, fancy prom photos. You know, it just, I think there's so many not-for-profit organizations out there that need accounting help and they need marketing help and they need video and they need graphic design. And so if you could just spend just a little bit of time on helping to support some of these organizations, then 
you know, I think that's a huge way that you can be purposeful in your work. And then I think ultimately it's about, you know, how are you truly loving and serving the people that you're impacting? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what can you do with that? Creating margin. I think it's about creating margin in your business. I love, there's this story in the Bible and it's kind of a random story, but it's about Boaz and Ruth from the book of Ruth. And what I love about it is that God had this law back in the day, the reader's digest version (laughs) is basically there was this law where he instructed his people, the Israelites to leave enough to not harvest to the edge of their field, but to leave extra harvest so that the refugees and the poor and the widows could come and glean from those fields. So I love this image of just not harvesting to the edge, whether that be with your time, whether that be with your power, you know, whether that be, I know for me, like I could always use creating more opportunity for my employees. Like I could go do it, but what if I left margin for them to be able to exercise their gifts in that Mm -hmm. space? And so I just want to be a leader who doesn't harvest to the edge of my field, but leaves margin so that other people can come and glean. And so I think if you can think of your business like that, absolutely, there's a way for every single business owner to make an impact through his or her business. I really, really, really love that. Like, really, that was that was mind boggling. And I know that story, too. So what a good challenge. So if you had to pick one thing you are most proud of about Noonday, what would that be? I would have to say it's our ambassador community. Mm-hmm. And I know that's probably surprising because, of course, I'm proud that we've created thousands of jobs for people around the world. But I, I guess I would say it's culture. We've created a culture among our artisans, partners, and among our team leaders here at the home office and among our ambassadors. And it's just, it's a culture of connection and of really valuing people and profit equally, or really, as we value people over profit, really, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say that we've really been able to do that. We've been able to stay true to that value of a people first organization. That is true. And you are living that and walking that. And I got to see that, which is so fun. It is fun. That was awesome. I know. So since this is a goal digger, can you share just one goal you are working on either personally or professionally that you're just kind of walking towards in the new year? Oh, girl, I'm like full of this right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I, okay, yes. Okay, so I've been reading these books on habits, The Power of Habits, mm-hmm. and then Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. And I have been truly thinking about my schedule and my calendar. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be able to open up my calendar that anyone could come and open it up in 2018. And it would align with my priorities and what I value. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really looking at what are those things that I can make habitual in my life? Because once something's a habit, it no longer requires decision making or energy. And I think that's very appealing to me because then I can be freed up to have more energy for other things. And yeah, so I'm, I'm just thinking about how to create that margin we're talking about. Mm-hmm. When I read that, I read that story like a month ago. Of course, I'd heard it before. But there is something when I read it a month ago and I started bawling, which is bizarre because it's like Boaz. I mean, there's this <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? What's happening? But I think I've realized, you know, I pushed to the edges. And Mm -hmm. so, 
So yeah, I think a goal to create more margin and to have my schedule aligned with my priorities. I think that's incredible. And I remember on our trip when we were talking about schedules and I'm like, my favorite days are the days where I literally have no commitments (laughs) because I can do whatever I need to do. And you're like, wait, what? A day with no commitments? (laughs) Like, what is that? It's true. I don't have many of those. No. Well, you have a giant team. So where can everybody find out more about Noonday? Give us all the places that we can connect. Okay, so you can go to our Instagram is Noonday Collection. And then if you go to our website, we'd love for you to be a part so you can purchase. But if you're interested in opening up your home, then we would love for you to do that. And you can go click on host on our website. And Jenna even helped design something Mm -hmm. that you may or may not see in our spring line. And then as well, if you'd like to join us as an ambassador, if if you're interested in starting your own social impact business. And we would love for you to join us. And you can go to our website for that as well. For me, I'm an Instagram girl, Jessica Honiger, two G's, one N. That's where I hang out. And then also you can find my book, Imperfect Courage Mm -hmm. on Amazon. And so I don't know if it'll be for sale yet. It's going to launch in August of 2018. I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about it. Jess, thank you for just being you. Thank you for being the Jessica that you are in all aspects of your life as a mother, as a CEO, as a friend, as just a visionary. I think that what you shared today is truly, truly inspiring and you are absolutely changing the world. Thanks, girl. Okay. I know I told you she's amazing, but for real, Jessica is salt of the earth. When I got to meet her in person, it was just like, wow. Like I was just blown away. There are so many, so many powerful takeaways from my interview with Jess, but I think what is so incredible is to hear how she wrote down those dreams when she was working in their spare bathroom to what she's grown today and and really putting out into the universe what we hope for ourselves, truly going there without the fear that maybe it won't happen. Because I think ultimate failure is when we don't acknowledge what those dreams are and when we don't breathe them into life. And so Jessica's story just comes full circle when you see how she just started, how she stepped into it without knowing for certain if it was going to work, how she saw this need in her life and started to fill it and then was able to in turn fill other people's lives with joy, with beautiful jewelry, with opportunity and with jobs. And so it's pretty incredible to just kind of hear that story and to be able to watch. And I can tell you guys, after seeing the artisans in Guatemala just making this and the fact that they have a job that they can work from home and create this jewelry and get paid to do that and be home with their children, man, it like fires me up. I'm a huge fan of Noonday Collection. I wear it a lot and I just am so thrilled that I got to share that with you. Before we sign off today, a lot of you have been asking, how can we help the podcast? And here's one super simple way you can do that. Take a screenshot of you tuning into the episodes and share that. There is so much power when we can see who's listening, when we can have those conversations. And when you put it out into the world and share gold digger, like all good things in our lives, there's so much power in sharing. So if you are tuning in right now, take a quick screenshot, post it up, tag me so that I can say hey to you and just celebrate that. There is so much room for us to 
just help spread these messages of women that are out there changing the world. So until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.